0: If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move
1: big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friend, welcome to In The Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and today we have a very special guest, Lauren Johnson. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation because she and I both live in the space of mindset and brain health, and more specifically, mental performance, because Lauren is a mental performance consultant and executive coach. So with more than a decade of experience working with professional athletes, including the New York Yankees, high-performing individuals, and powerhouse organizations Lauren has this deep understanding of the mindset and specific strategies that we all really need to harness and understand so that we can achieve our peak performance. So again, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm just telling you right now, like go get your notepad, get your pen or open up a doc, however you like to take notes. This is the space where you are going to want to do that. We're gonna talk about Lauren's background, we'll let her to this field, maybe even a little bit about the future of mental performance in the workplace, what does that look like? Regardless, get ready to take those notes. So without further ado, welcome Lauren.
0: Thank you so, so much for having me. I am, I can't even tell you how excited I am to be here.
1: Yes. And we had a chance to get to know each other uh, before recording this. And in that conversation, I was like, hello, friend, who I'm just <laughs> meeting, but I feel like I've known forever. <laughs> it's very... yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Felt the same exact way. Yes. So. I feel like mental performance is something that very much lives in the space of elite athletics, Mm -hmm. but it's now being talked about more in corporate America, certainly in the in the personal growth space. So how did you get interested in this area? Like what made you decide to pursue this particularly as a career?
0: It's funny. I, I never thought I would. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> asked me,
0: you know, way early on, I actually thought I was going to be a physical therapist. Mm. So I got my undergrad in kinesiology and I minored in psychology and it was actually my third game into my senior year of college. I played soccer and I received my fifth concussion and was mm. told it was no longer safe for me to play. Mm. And I went through this, like, identity crisis. I mean, if anybody listening has ever had anything taken away that they loved and it, like, wasn't their choice to move on from it, you would know what I probably experienced when I was told like, Hey, Lauren, we, you can't continue. Mm-hmm. So I decided, okay, well, I, I still was on my team. I still, my role changed. I was, you know, on the bench and supporting versus, you know, being supportive on the field. And I decided to take an elective course. And I looked one up and I was like, oh, sports psychology. That's interesting. So I went and I took it and I just completely fell in love. Mm. You know what it did? It was almost like somebody, you know, held up a mirror. And so the whole time it was like reflecting back all these things that I, I wish I did. Or I was like, I didn't know you can do this or wow. Who would I have been if I would have known these things? Oh, wow. And then I thought, how many people can I help now that I do?
1: So, mm. senior I got year, goosebumps with that, Laura. <laughs> I know you weren't trying to preach, but golly, I just got truth bumps. <laughs> well, and, and you know, because you do this work mm. is that,
0: you know, when suddenly you're in alignment with your purpose. Yeah. And so it's, see here I am senior year thinking I, I have it all figured out. I know exactly what I'm going to do after school. And suddenly we're like, no, nope, we're going to take a hard left and go in a whole different direction. So I decided to get a master's degree in performance psychology, which is just a broad term for sports psychology. And that's kind of what led me to the field. And every course I took, every class I was in, I was like, yes, like I just couldn't get enough of it. And I still feel like that today.
1: Mm. Was there something that struck you that really kind of opened you up to see how important this is. Because for me, it was when I realized that the brain is always changing, whether we want it to or not. But And then behind that, we can control how it's changing. Like That little gem gave me so much more confidence to not just apply the work to my life, but then to teach it to other people. And I really, I, I was stuck on that. Why don't more people know this or understand this? Why are we not talking about this more? This is incredibly powerful. Did you you have a moment like that, maybe about something that you learned? Yeah, I was, you know, I always I've always been very curious. So I love to
0: ask questions. and um, this stems from like when I was really little. I've always wanted to understand because I felt like if I could understand, then I could put pieces together in terms of solving it or finding a way to work through something. And so I started asking a bunch of questions. And one of the questions I had, I was so fascinated by is why? do some, and this pertained to athletes at the time, why do some athletes, equal level talent, make it and some don't? Mm-hmm. And there are several factors and several reasons, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest ones I began to find in my studies was actually the me- their mental game. Yeah. And you've heard, I mean, you'll hear me say this a lot because I believe it is that mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything.
1: Yes. So
0: just because you have a good mindset doesn't mean you're going to be an MLB player, but if you pair, it's, it's the power of you, your mind and how they impact performance. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that, okay, mindset doesn't make you who you are, but it impacts who you are. So if I can help people to pair their mind and improve their mind with the things that they already do well or they're working to improve, that's where we put them in the optimal position for success. It doesn't guarantee it, which is very important to understand, mm-hmm. but it does put you in the best position to get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you left school. You realize that, hey, there's something going on up here that is not just, you know, how well can you hit, kick, throw a ball, right? <laughs> or what have you. It's not just about how you perform physically it's it's what's going on inside of our head when you left that space did you know that you were going to go straight into mental performance consulting or was there a different avenue that you were considering before you found your way into this this field uh
0: no i decided as soon as i learned about it i was like i went all in I mean, i'm all in <laughs> all in it's kind of how i work so i i knew what i wanted to do at that point and i was like let's go so it's like i couldn't get enough of it fast enough and my goal was always to work at a, for a professional team. That was like, that was my, that was my goal as a physical therapist. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is more so what I like. So that became my goal in sports psych. And it's funny. I graduated from grad school and I had two job offers on the line. And like, like as a grad student, you're like, all right, I'm on cloud nine right now. Like this yes. is, <laughs> this is, I'm in a great position. So I felt so good. I have these two job offers. Decided to turn one down and take the other. But the interesting thing about the one I took was that uh, it was going to take six months to be placed in my role, which was very common for this position. So six months goes by and I don't hear anything. Mm. And I had other friends that got similar roles and they were being placed. And so I'm like, "Hmm." so I I reach out and I said, hey, just check in to see when I should be expecting my placement. And that's when I received an email that kind of changed everything. And they said, we're sorry, but the job is no longer available. Mm. So
1: here I am six months later with no jobs. Right. Waiting in anticipation of what you thought was going to transpire. Right.
0: Mm. And the job before has already filled in their position. I mean, six months. So I reach out to everybody I knew, everybody in the field. And there was just nothing. I kept hearing the same thing. Lauren, you need experience. I'm like, what do you think I'm trying to do? Yeah. I, I realized that I, I needed to make money because my, my student loans were coming up. So I decided to get a job at Starbucks. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: This job changed my entire life. Do tell. (laughs) I I'm working at Starbucks and this one day I am in the drive-thru Okay. And when you're working the drive through you are not making drinks. You are taking, you know, you're doing the transactions and you're also uh, entertaining the customer while their food or drinks are being prepared. So I'm sitting there, I'm talking to this guy and he said, so uh, are you in school? Which was a fair question. Most people were. And I said, no, actually I, I just graduated. And he's like, great. What did you get your degree in? And I proudly told him performance psychology. And he looks me directly in the face and just starts laughing. And, you know, I have no problem with uncomfortable situations. So I'm sitting there and I just decide to ask him, I said, Oh, what's so funny. And he said, Oh, you got one of those degrees you'll never use.
1: Oh, how often do people place that with psychology? And I'm sure at that time it was even more so, Oh my gosh. Did you fly through that window? Did he get his drink poured on him? No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) All the, trust me, if you don't think all those (laughs) things didn't go through my head, you are wrong. Um, I instead, although I wanted to do all of those things, I I couldn't hand him his drink. I was so upset. So Mm -hmm. I walked away. One of my coworkers handed him his drink. And you know, when somebody says something to you and it hits a nerve Mm -hmm. and it plays like a broken record Mm -hmm. in your mind all day. Yeah. Well, every time I reheard it, you know, or I heard it, you know, pop up and ruminate in my mind. I, I experienced all the frustration all over again. And until one point I stopped and I said, Lauren, why does this upset you? Mm-hmm. You don't know this guy. I mean, his opinion really carries no weight in your life. So why are you giving him so much power?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's when I realized he was rude. I I get it, but that's not why I was upset. I was upset because he was right. Mm,
1: He struck a chord in something that felt like maybe a thought you had already let linger in the back of your mind, even if you weren't giving it active energy, it was there. And somehow what he said awakened that in you.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if I would have received it the same from anyone else except a stranger. And so I realized how can I be the best version of myself as a mental performance coach for others? If I can't even take my own advice, like you can't turn around at your first sign of adversity. You're not going to get very far. And I had hit this dead end and just was waiting for something to come and fall in my lap versus going and getting it. And so that was the day that I Googled how to start your own company I started my own consulting company with the sole purpose of getting experience
1: Mm. and
0: building a resume that's ready for a protein. After a year's time, I got the chance to interview with the Yankees and I got the job.
1: Wow. How did you get the clients when you started your business to get the experience? Because You know, a lot of people when they want to, as a matter of fact, this was myself, I would put myself out there still with that thought, though, in the back of my head that either nobody's going to take me seriously or I'm not going to have enough experience to show. However like it still came. And a lot of times it was completely outside of, you know, my effort. It was alignment. It was divine timing. It was the creator of the universe blessing me with an opportunity. But how did you start to gain that experience? What was your journey like before uh, you got that opportunity with the Yankees?
0: A lot of cold calling. Yeah. A lot of no's, a lot of no responses. And every once in a while I'd get a yes. And my goal was to do really good work. Because I knew if I did good work, people want to work with you. Yep. And so I would reach out to uh, LinkedIn was like my best friend and I would reach out to people that are head coaches, that are directors of clubs that are, I would even reach out to local clubs and I knew I wanted to work in baseball. So I would target baseball. So I'd go baseball academies. Um, you know, I, I live in Northern California. So in Sacramento, I reached out to the Sacramento state baseball team and I got a response and I started working with them. So I started doing this and I did a lot of things for free. And, yes. the, goal <laughs> was, and the goal was too. I had the confidence in my ability that If I could just get in front of them, even if it was for free, I know they're going to want to continue working with me. So I would always say, look, I'll come and work with your team for free. And hey, if you decide, hey, we're interested in this, then we can talk about what that would look like continuing. And it's not like I made a lot, but I started to build a resume. And then I had all these people willing to vouch for me when the Yankees. And so it was, trust me, it was not glamorous. It was not easy. It was really humbling, but it taught me that you may not have the opportunity you want, but you always have the opportunity to get better. And I had the opportunity to improve myself in other ways outside of getting the job that I wanted. And so that's what I had. And so that's what I did.
1: Oh my gosh. I woof, dropping gems again. I better be taking notes, dear listener, because we're moving fast through this. Well, so. Two things that popped up for me, though, is one, very similar in a complete on a completely different path. When I started speaking, it was like, I'm just going to try and talk to anyone. I'm just going to because I know that every time I deliver a talk, I'm going to get better at delivering, at presenting. But a lot of it was for free. It I would set these goals, but it wasn't about the money I was getting and as a single mom, I needed money, so I was willing to do odd end jobs on the side while I was pursuing that thing, the 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 dream. And so I had to make that sacrifice, which was a trade off for experience instead of being paid. And it did pay off. And so for anybody who's listening to this, and you're at the beginning of your dream building journey, just know, I mean, Lauren, that's such a great example of how. The experience you acquire early on will absolutely, one, help you to become better, to refine your skills as a professional, but two, build that credibility because now you have people vouching on your behalf. I love that. Here's
0: an important piece for anybody starting. Nobody knows the check you received as a result of the work that you did. Mm. Nobody knows that. And so I realized... I mean, yeah, yeah. uh, Trust me. Do I want to get paid? Absolutely do. (laughs) But I realized that, okay, hold on. If what everybody said I needed for this role was experience, that's my goal to go get it. Right. 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 And Every time, every, every, you, you can't have the experience of a thousand reps without beginning with your first. And so I was like, you got to put in the reps, girlfriend, and then this, suddenly, I started to build this level of experience where I could charge, I could ask for some for for numbers that I couldn't even have dreamed of when I had started. And so, it's really easy when you're starting out to compare your day one to someone else someone else's day five hundred, right? But to understand that they had a day one, and that it looked very different than what it looks like today. And don't be afraid to go through it. Yes. Don't be. It, you will gain experience. You will gain humility. You will also understand how precious it is when you do get a client that trusts you enough to be able to exchange what you have to offer for the money in their, in their pocket.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I take that lightly. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think each one of those as an incredible gift and opportunity.
1: It's all valuable. It's, and it mm-hmm. all contributes to the end goal. You know, I had a guest on here, Ryan Leek, great guy, but hit one of my favorite statements that he gave during that conversation was you can't get better if you don't get started. Yeah. Right? That's that's let's not lose sight of the real goal here and that's for us to be able to show up as our best, but it takes experience for us to learn and for us to grow and for us to develop and expand, you right? Expand our wings. So don't let the the fear or or even uh maybe, as in Lauren's case, the closed door don't let that stop you. make your own way, you know, create your own door, build your own door if one was closed right. and so you you mentioned that you spent a, about a year working with other uh clients before you had the opportunity to work with the New York Yankees,
0: yes, yes, I had a year where I worked with just amazing people that. You know, trusted me with their teams and with their, you know, a lot of parents that trusted me to work with their kids, mm-hmm. uh, and and a lot of like fantastic athletes that just said, "Hey, I want help." So mm. I I had this awesome group, and I and I ended up working with a lot of them, even when I was at the Yankees, kind of on the side. I, there was a couple that I held on to that I was able to work with while I was still there, and. I would work all day with the Yankees and then I would be working with them at like eight, nine o'clock at night. Wow. Uh, and what was just, it like
1: to have that dream realized?
0: Oh man, it was actually really funny when uh so I work I worked under Chad Bowling and Chris Passarella and they've been with the Yankees for several years. They're amazing. And Chris called me to let me know I got the job. <laughs> and I said yes before he told me what I was gonna make. And he goes, Do you do you want to know your salary? And I was like, oh yeah, I get. So he made they made they gave me crap for that for a while because they're just like, <laughs> I said, yes. I was so excited to get that opportunity. And if nothing else, um, when you're on your own, sometimes it's hard to know, like, am I doing it right? Like mm-hmm. we all have blind spots. So it's one thing to think I'm getting better, but it's another to get an outside perspective. So something I also gained from being on a team with the Yankees is I A lot of my blind spots became revealed, you know, through incredible feedback from these people that do incredibly good work. So that alone even just made me so much better. It was such a cool moment.
1: Mm, I can imagine. I remember having a moment where I was like, oh my God, I did the thing that I thought I wanted to do, that I said I was going to do, that I dreamed about even. And it's just, it's overwhelming. You know, it's so overwhelming to think that you can achieve something that you put your mind to, not in a woo-woo way, in a very deliberate way, which I think is also the power of mental performance, because you are pointing your mind in a direction and giving it the tools and the strategies that it needs to develop to then create that end goal of that desire. Right. But I also I wonder I know you started off in the space where you were helping athletes with this, but how does this apply to the everyday person? You know, what does it look like? And and you transitioned from the Yankees and now you are actually helping individuals and again, corporations with this. So what does it look like to train as an athlete? Like what are some of those foundational principles that you would say? And how does that translate to the everyday, everyday person?
0: Well, it's, it's why I like to use the term mental performance instead of sports psychology, because mental performance is applies to everyone. It's about how we, how our mind actually contributes to how we perform, whether you're performing as an athlete, a CEO, a pilot, a surgeon, a ballerina, an artist, a mom, a dad, it applies to all of it. And so what it really is, it's the software in which we interpret our thoughts, our feelings, and our beliefs and our world around us. And so if we have a software that's operating at a high level that puts you in a position that is productive, that helps you move forward, that helps you to deal with and cope with difficult things that life is inevitably going to throw at you, then that's not just reserved for athletes. Sure, it's easy to apply it but it applies to everyone. It applies to every single person. So it was interesting when I was working for the Yankees, I started getting reached out to by some businesses. They're like, Hey, like we, you know, will you come talk for our team and all of that? And I'll be honest, I was fearful that it wouldn't translate. I was mm. like, hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I get there and I start to do some of the work and I just realized, Lauren, these are just corporate athletes. Yes. <laughs> the same thing. It's the same stuff. Of course, the language changes. So instead of talking, you know, being on the mound and, you know, the bottom of the ninth, you know, with a pitcher, I am talking to a CEO about to walk in and give a talk to his team about the biggest changes or an org uh, an org change that's about to occur and how he's going to lead it through that. So just the language changes, but oftentimes the principles of mental performance they, how they get applied might be different, but those really stay the same.
1: Mm. And so what do you think are some of the m- most common mental performance issues that you have helped clients face? I mean, you talk about, you know, being at the bottom of the ninth or getting in front of, a uh, uh, you know, it could be a board or it could be a team meeting. But when we talk about very specifically what those barriers are, what do you think are some of these, these common issues?
0: One of the things I really like to work with on people is help them to reveal their relationships. And I like to explain it like this, likely to use the grocery store example. It's kind of like if you've ever been into a grocery store and you see somebody that like you haven't seen in years and you're so excited to see them. Like likely you're going to make a point to go run into them and be like, Hi, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. And like strike up a conversation. But on the opposite end, have you ever seen somebody like from high school that you like never want to see again? And you're like, oh, now I need kale. I don't even (laughs) need kale, but I am going to go find that kale and dry and avoid it as much as possible. That is a good description of our relationships with things like fear, your relationships with things like pressure, your relationships with things like conflict, with distractions, with self-doubt, with self-talk. And so I like to first understand, okay, what is your relationship with fear? Because people say, oh, these are all problems. And oftentimes the problem is not the problem. It is your relationship with the problem.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
0: so a lot of times if you have a bad or a negative relationship with fear, the question becomes, how do we improve it? Fear is not going to, we're not going to magically eliminate fear. We're not going to magically eliminate pressure. We're not going to take away these things that, again, that comes with life and doing anything, anything worth doing is going to have some salt attached to it. So instead of trying to eliminate that, how do we develop a relationship with it? And so that's one of my favorite things to work on with clients, because it's often a subtle shift in the way that we think about it. Because some, so many times we try to avoid it. We try to eliminate it. We try to rid ourselves of it. But what if you didn't have to do that? What if we simply had to develop a better relationship with it? And so the question then becomes, all right, how do we better, how do we develop better relationships? Mm -hmm. And it's really no different than developing a better relationship with another human. It's, you got to spend time with it. You got to sit in some difficult conversations with it. You can't avoid it, you know, when it presents itself. And so, once we start to develop some, some uh, strategies to be able to improve our relationships with it, that's when I, that's like the fun, most fun thing for me to see is to be able to start to watch how our actions shift as a result of our relationship shifting.
1: Can you explain a strategy that, you know, helps either in this or just like overall helps to improve mental performance, but like, what is st- like, how would you walk somebody through, we'll say, a particular exercise that you you know can help them change their relationship or at least start to be curious about changing the relationship, right? We, You and I know that it starts with just being open. It's, it may not dive right into the action. But anyway, can you give us a strategy on how we can start to improve our mental performance?
0: Yeah. So it, when it comes to relationships, the first thing to know is to, be, to take an audit of them like let's first, let's first, and let's start with just some basic ones. Let's start with fear. Let's start with pressure. And we'll just start with those two. Okay. Those are very simple ones that I think we can all, all, all relate to. So when you are in a position where you're feeling fearful and all of us, I'm sure can go back to a time where we felt fearful is okay. What is your current relationship? And I want you to think about three, there's three different ways. And I want you to think of it kind of like a graph, a positive mean like the line is going up, you know, the more fear you experience, you know, the more, uh, you know, the more positive the relationship is negative. Right. So it's like a negative graph. You still line going down where like, oh man, things fall apart. Uh, they, it's not good or it's curvilinear where, okay, sometimes it's good. It's good in these areas of my life. I'm really good at addressing fear in my sport, but I'm really bad at addressing fear in my relationships with, you know, you know, authority or whatever it is. And so sometimes it's good and sometimes it's maybe not so good. So first we want to establish, like, what are your current relationships? Then we want to understand why. Why do we struggle in this? Like, why is this a negative relationship? Why is this a positive one? So we want to find the root of it. And then we want to understand, okay, if this is the current root and this is the current pattern, what can we do to change that? So a really good example of this. So first start by taking an audit. First, then understand why. And then the next step is developing habits that actually uh, combat this this battle that we're facing. So there are four steps to every habit. And the first one is a trigger. So it's something that triggers the fear. Mm-hmm. Then there's a craving. You might feel like, you know what, I, okay. I fear public speaking. And when I am asked to public speak, the craving is like, I I'm sick that day. I want to avoid it entirely. You know, I just want to get out of it. And then there's a response. So what you actually end up doing outside of the craving, and then there's a reward. So if your response is to avoid that thing that you fear, the reward is that you don't have to deal with it. It's a temporary Mm -hmm. It's a temporary relief from stress. There is a reward there. The important thing to know is when people go, Well, why am I so stuck here? Well, what gets rewarded gets repeated. Yeah. So, so if we understand that basic principle, we can also use that to shift it. So if this is the trigger, if this is the craving, if and we the two things that we can change is the response and the reward. So if your response is going to be, all right, I'm going to lean into it and i'm going to i'm going to lean into that fear that i'm experiencing then this then we have to discuss dis, discuss what the reward's going to be it could be something that's inherent as like i'm really proud of myself as a result or it could be something where okay now i'm going to allow myself to go do something i really enjoy so there's different ways that we can do that but if we structure those habits in that way we can begin to put ourselves in a position to improve our relationship instead of choosing to run from it
1: Mm, I love that so much. So you start by just acknowledging, getting familiar with it. Then you figure out, okay, but why, why is this, you know, happening? And what if, you know, there may not be a full crystallized answer to why, but would it still, and in that case, is it still okay to move on to the third step or do you need to stay and figure out the why?
0: Uh, It is still okay to move on to the third step because Mm. the why may come later and, or it may be something where I know for a lot of, a lot of my clients is it's, it needs a conversation to be able to reflect back and find the root. Right. So. Don't be afraid to like, okay, if I don't really know why that's okay, let's break down the habit. Let's look at why that's occurring. Let's look at the circle of how it actually impacts. Like the second it happens, this is how you're feeling. This is how you're responding as a result. And this is the reward that you're getting, which is why it keeps getting repeated. If we understand that we may go back and go, okay, now I get why
1: I get why it reveals itself
0: that's something i help a lot of my clients with so it's not always an easy thing so yeah i think that's a great point don't feel like that has to happen before you move on to that third piece it's it's a great thing that you can always come back to because a lot of times it is there's is something that may occurred in your past that mm. made you fearful of it maybe you we're doing, you are asked to public speak and you completely embarrassed yourself or you had a poor outcome or you had really negative feedback that, you know, you can't get out of your head. And suddenly that's why, or you're fearful of being found out, you know, it's that imposter syndrome feeling. So there could be a lot of reasons why, but you're right. Don't let that stop you from drawing out how this actually is occurring. And then what you're going to do as a result.
1: Mm, and our patterns, I mean, gosh, they are so, they're so predictable that sometimes we don't even notice them. One yeah. of the ways that I was able to better understand, I'll say my patterns and especially the ones I was trying to be like, oh, it's not, no, I could, that's nothing. Yeah. Well, I thought about this. I'm the type of person where after dinner, every day after dinner, oh, at some point I'm having dessert before I go to bed. Because that's my pattern. There's some sort of dessert ha- because my brain has created the pattern. There's dinner and then there's dessert. That's just. I mean, this. Is, I'm not advocating for smoking, but like smokers, if you're smoking a cigarette, you know like, oh, I get in the car or I take a break at work or I'm stressed and I go for this thing. OK, it's not just smoking, right? It can be anything, right? I feel stressed and I go watch TV or so I'm saying this to say for Anyone who may be like, well, I don't know if I have any patterns. You do. You do. You you have them in the way that you, I don't know, even wash your body in the shower. We have patterns in that way. Like we do things particular ways because over time we have created that repetition. And so no. it does happen in our, our behavior and in our mind. It's just sometimes it may be so buried in the subconscious. It's such an autopilot response that we don't see that as a pattern. So I just encourage you all, you know, stay in this space. If you are looking to maybe identify some of these so that you can make changes, stay in it for a little bit, go a little bit deeper. And as Lauren said, you know, reach out if you need help and you need to bounce this off with someone.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you, what you said, like that's, it's a part of our normal human psychology. It's the patterns are, are an important piece, because if you think about, we have, there's so much information around us and we can only take in a certain amount at any given time. And so your brain creates patterns around things so that it doesn't have to think every single time you do it. It's more an effective and more efficient way to perform and to go through your day. And so you'll probably notice that if you really think about it, like make a list of all the things you do throughout the day. And I'm sure like how you like your brush your teeth, like make a list of them all and then grade them. Like, all right, is this helping me? Is this hurting me? Or maybe it's neither. Maybe it's neutral. And James clear has a really good example of how to do this in his book and, uh, atomic habits. And, you know, you just go through and you grade all the things that you do throughout the day, because the most important thing is that you can't change anything. You're not aware of correct. So <laughs> if you don't have awareness Like going in and going, like, okay, we're just going to start changing habits here. Like, it's going to be really difficult to do. So, you want to start awareness is the first step. That's why, hey, first identify your current relationships with some of these areas. Then, you know, we can move to the next step. Same with your patterns throughout the day, right? First, we have to understand that patterns do exist throughout everything that we do, it's the way that our brain is designed. And let's see which ones are helpful, beneficial, that may help guide you to which ones you actually want to change.
1: Absolutely. Oh, that's a great point. It's a great point. So I wonder, I'm sure you have a lot of fun stories to share, but can you share any uh, significant success stories or instances of clients who you saw their mental performance significantly improve as a result of the work together and it could be you know whether it's with athletes or again with any of your corporate clients but I I think this this could be good evidence for people to see what does it look like where you start and like what does that change look like again with it being different for everyone but would love to hear if you could share any stories
0: yeah this is actually one of my favorite stories to share so it was, I was at the Yankees I'm working, I was working with a, you know, a couple people, but there's this one guy that we got and he was drafted a young draft pick, a pitcher and he, it was during spring training. So the whole organization is there. Okay. And in one spot and he goes out to pitch and he's pitching against AAA hitters. And he, by the way, this, this kid is young, brand new draft pick. The pitching coaches knew he was going to get torn apart but they did it to see how he handled adversity. Mm. He didn't know this. So he gets thrown into the, into the mix and he just gets eaten alive. Like you can't, the strike zone is so small and you just can't make mistakes. And so he just is getting annihilated. He gets taken out of the game, runs back to my office and is just like distraught. Like Lauren, like, I, I don't like, I don't know what happened. Like what, what was that? Like, so like almost like freaking out, you know? And by the way, that's normal. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's okay. I'm I'm just like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Like, how did your, like talk me through your outing? And he couldn't, he was like, I can't even, I was like, walk me through. And he's like, I, I don't remember. Mm
1: -hmm. And he's like, I almost
0: like experienced, like, he's like, I almost feel like I blacked out out there. And what that told me is just a couple things. Uh, he, he was dealing with a lot in that time. So his, this game was probably speeding up on him and two, that he's just lacks a little self awareness, which at his age, right out of high school, I, it's pretty normal. Yeah. So I was like, that's okay. So I was like, okay, so what I want us to do is one way to develop awareness in the moment is to start by reflecting after the moment, and then we can bring it closer to the moment that you're in. So I'm like, okay, so what I want you to do is after every outing, I want you to journal about it. And there are three questions I want you to ask yourself, but these this is going to help you to start to recognize patterns because you're going to spend some time thinking about it, and then as you build awareness, it'll start to creep closer, closer to the actual moment that you're in. You'll be able to notice it immediately.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I could interrupt for a moment because the more that you build awareness. Literally, the more aware you become to the point where you can't turn it off,
0: you will notice
1: things. And it's I'm telling you, once you start heading forward in this direction of building awareness, it grows, it grows the more work you do. So sorry. Continue. Oh, no.
0: Amen. Amen. And so uh, the next day we are in the cafeteria and the cafeteria is this relatively small room um, in comparison to the amount of people we have. So I'm uh, in the front of the line of the cafeteria and he's all the way in the back and it's you know it's lunchtime it's this long line and everybody it's packed it's packed and he yells from the back of the line he goes "Hey Lauren." And like to the point where like people were like well, <laughs> you know looking who's yelling? And I, <laughs> like yeah and thing. I was like "Yes." And he's and he goes "I did my journal exercises." And I was like "Sweet man, that's awesome." <laughs> And then he goes, ha, just kidding. And it was like silent. And I was like, whatever. So I, I, I get, I get my food, I go eat and then I go back to my office Mm -hmm. and I shoot him a text and I said, Hey, don't worry about the journal exercises. Within a few minutes, he's at my door. He's like, Lauren, like, why, like, why did you say not to do them? And I said, I don't think you understand I am not your mom. Mm. I am not your teacher. I am not your pitching coach. I am not your, you know, I'm not your friend. I said, I can't do the work for you. And I'm certainly not going to force you to do something if you don't want to do it. I said, I'm not going to sit over your shoulder and make sure it's getting done. Because I don't think you realize this is your career, not mine, mm. it's Not my responsibility to make you better. It's yours. I am your support to help you to do that. If you, so, if you so choose, I said, if you, and then he stops. He goes, no, no. Okay. I'll, I'll do it for you. I said, you're still not getting it. He said, if you do the journal exercises or not, I'm going to sleep the same. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wake up and do my job. At a high level, regardless of what you choose to do for yourself, he said, "If you want to become an incredible athlete, you will begin to take responsibility of your improvement. And when you decide to do that, come see me."
1: Mm, mm.
0: And he leaves. And that evening, I got images of his journal exercise, and every single outing after that. Mm he finally realized that it was his responsibility and his requirement to improve himself. And when he saw that I wasn't going to force him to do anything he didn't want to, I think he realized, Oh, shoot, this is on me. Yes. And to this day, he, we are still in contact. (laughs) He still calls me during spring training and (laughs) He was is one of the one of the best people I ever had the pleasure of working with because I got to see his transformation and he is doing incredibly well. But when he started to invest in himself and he started to see the outcome of that, that there's nothing better than watching somebody not only take responsibility, but see it pay off in the work that they do.
1: Absolutely. That is, I mean, if there's any moment where I think someone can really feel like, oh, okay, this is real, it's when they have that realization that it's all up to them. That, like, we all have to own our life. We have to own our thoughts. We have to own our choices, our words. I mean, every single part of it is up to us, it's our responsibility. And it's very interesting that, you know, many people, come to this realization through adversity. Some of them come from having a person like yourself who says, like, I can't shoulder this for you. And then you really feel the weight of, you know, the responsibility of your choices. But it's a responsibility that you have to accept at each moment at like while you're growing, while you're failing, while you're doing something great, while life isn't that good at there's no point where this stops being your responsibility, your life, your career, everything about the the quality of your life is up to you. And so I just love how you put that in perspective for him in a very graceful way, I might add.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, he uh, he's a really special, a special athlete in person. And it was pretty incredible to watch him apply then like some of the self-awareness tools in terms of just. It just started with journaling. And then I was able to come out up to him right after an outing. And he goes, this, this, and this happened. Mm. And we were like, all right. So now we got it right after the outing. And then in the, like in between innings, he would come out and be like, all right, I'm noticing this, this. And suddenly the awareness, it went from maybe, you know, after the game to in between or to, uh, after the game, several hours after, right after the game to in between innings to in between pitches yeah. that he was able to have this self-awareness. So it was just so phenomenal to watch, but also just to watch him become such an, an elite version of who he already was.
1: Yes. Yes. You're speaking to something that I think is important for us to note. When we think about building our physical strength, we can see those results. You know, we can see our muscles getting bigger. We can see our body leaning out and it's very hard to measure internal growth. But the way that you just mentioned it is a great way to, to look at that. And it's kind of, taking into consideration timing of your response or timing of your awareness or timing of the healthy habit. You know, how long does it take you to get to that space that you actually want to be? But the more that you and we're not saying to rush it, but the more that you practice these healthy patterns and habits, it decreases the time for you to find your way to, you know, whatever that appropriate response would be. And so I I appreciate you mentioning that part of the story because it is very important as we grow as individuals to be able to also take note of our growth. So, Because what that does is it essentially builds our confidence that it's working and we just become aware of the the traction that we're making and the momentum that we're gaining.
0: Well, and, and sometimes it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do something new. It's just doing what you're already doing, but doing it better. So sometimes that has little to do with like adding another exercise or choosing to do something different, but it's going, how can I, this self-awareness, how can I make myself awareness better? Mm-hmm. Oh, what if I made the change in the moment versus after? And so sometimes that that's the question is how do you do what you already do, but better? And that's something that when you're already having success, sometimes you forget to ask that. It's don't be afraid like the three questions i always i that are so simple easy to journal that anybody can do that when you're starting out or when you are a seasoned pro these will benefit you and it's first thing like what is going well or what did i do well i like to ask that question first and journal that question first because we have such a we have a negativity bias that yeah. immediately goes to like okay how do i got to improve first i want you to exercise your optimistic muscle by choosing to find Like, let's hunt the good stuff here and let's see if we can find something good, whether it's something we did or something that went well, then what can I do better? Because you're never too good to keep, keep improving. Mm -hmm. So, um, what can I do better? Challenge yourself. Even when you had a really good outing, even when you had an incredible result, like think about it, like, is there something that you might've been able to, to do better, even if it's a really small thing? And then what did I learn as a result? Those are three super simple, super easy questions that I even ask myself on a day to day basis that anybody can do that is going to provide you value in terms of noticing patterns, both good and bad patterns, and being able to know that you're holding yourself accountable to improving because success can blind us from improvement and failure can blind us from what we've already been doing well.
1: Mm, so true. Uh, just so you know, I had the opportunity to share a virtual stage with a gentleman and he was in the British Special Forces and he said that those are three questions that they also what went well? I mean like I'm just saying awesome. th- there is so much value in that and it's coming from different experts. So dear listener, do not lose sight of that. And actually that leads me into my last question for you because I know that people are going to hear this, they're going to want, okay, well how can I go deeper? Great starting points here, (laughs) lots of starting points here, but what kind of resources would you recommend for any listeners who are interested in not only learning more, but really diving into improving their own mental performance? Well, like
0: uh, you and I have already talked about many times on this is building awareness. And there's there's a phrase that if you want better answers, ask better questions. And I've actually come up with a free resource and it's 57 powerful coaching questions that I work use in my own clients. And so whether you are somebody that wants to improve your own self-awareness or you're working with people and you want more questions to be able to ask and help them improve theirs, you. This is a really, really great resource that um, that, and I'll give you the link to that. So uh, anybody can go and, and download it. But essentially, it's just fifty-seven really powerful questions, and they're broken down into categories so that it really helps to reveal blind spots, your own personal bias, and also reveal those areas that you do want to maybe change, improve, or um, or alter in some way.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for mentioning that. I didn't even know that you had that available. Look at you, just ready to give. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure oh we put we will make sure we put that link in the show notes. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. I feel like we just kind of talked about the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more we can go into, which we should in another episode. But for now, thank you so much for being here for bringing these different insights and sharing your experience and expertise with our our community. Thank you,
0: oh, and thank you so much for having me. You are really good at what you do. I just want to make make a note of that because uh, you're an incredible interviewer. So I am, I feel very honored to be here with you.
1: Oh, well, thank you, friend. Listen, if you want to learn more about Lauren, we'll make sure that her uh, social, that her website, and definitely that free download is included in the show notes. Uh, And if you want to make sure that you're improving your mental performance, this is the one piece I hope you take away from this is it starts with you. It starts with you owning your response to life and how you want to, what direction you want to take your life. So again, you heard it here from Lauren. Thank you for joining us and we will see you in the next episode.
0: This has been In The Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.